Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. Good morning. I'd like to first say Happy Mother's Day to uh, the moms that are here and the moms that are listening online. Um, one of the things, one of my favorite memories I have of my mother is just uh, how upbeat she always was, no matter what uh, what we were going through, uh, through whatever storms that we went through as kids. And um, she was always just always upbeat about it and just had a fight in her. Uh, to, to just keep pushing forward and and so I always appreciated that and and I see that too in Teresa's mom uh, as, as the kind of the same uh, really funny similarities as well and uh, but it's a good thing uh, both of them now uh, followers of Christ and and really um, just a blessing uh, to see how uh, they've grown in their faith over the years and uh, so we just lift them up and say Happy Mother's Day, but we also say Happy Mother's Day to you and uh, to those that are online. And it's always funny when you think about Mother's Day, the uh, biggest thing is always moms want their kids in church. You know, that's that's what moms usually want for Mother's Day. Um, and yet fathers want to be out on the golf course or out fishing nowhere near any family which kind of describes one of the biggest problems that we have uh with the men at times and so definitely when i when we have our father's day uh there'll definitely be a message for the men uh but this message today we're gonna just continue to stick to our verse by verse study we were in mark chapter um one verses 14 and 15 last week and this week we're actually going to be in mark chapter 1 verses 16 through 20 uh talking about the cost um and the call to follow jesus uh as well as the importance of uh discipleship and evangelism and so two things that uh, uh are extremely important uh in our uh walks with the lord and so you know i pray that uh hopefully as you listen to this sermon it'll help you out uh just a couple quick things before we uh get going into this on wednesday night at 7 p.m uh here at uh, 203 east college avenue suite c uh the market media building is where we meet for service uh at 7 p.m we'll start uh we're going to be in nehemiah chapter 6 and i think we'll get through the whole chapter uh, this week and so we're looking forward to it it actually deals with discernment um, just a great chapter a lot of a lot of things that are happening to Nehemiah and a lot that we can learn from so we'll be in Nehemiah chapter 6 on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. and then finally just our our tithes and offering what we do uh, is we have a a tide box here for your for your love offering uh, we leave that between you and the Lord. Uh, you can also do that online uh, through our website at calvarydivine.org, at calvarydivine.org. 
And then uh, also, if you need to get a hold of me, if you need prayer, you have questions about the sermon, have questions about the church, uh, any of that, you can do all of that through calvarydivine.org, or you can call me at 210-727-4624. That's our number for the church, Calvary Divine. Uh, so this week, uh, let's go ahead and do this. We're going to stand for the Word of God. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. And I'm going to go ahead and read verses 14 and 15 just to kind of get the, the context of what's happening. Because when we jump into 16, it's like he's just it just goes. And just remember, you know, you're going to see the Word immediately a lot with the book of Mark. So let's go ahead and read the Word of God. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14, it says, Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then our verses for this week in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20 Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will, be, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending, their, uh, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and left. they left their Father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and followed him. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for today. We do pray uh, for our moms and we just lift them up to you, Lord. We thank you so much for uh, just all that you do in our lives. We ask that you bless them and uh, we we pray, Lord, that we would see generations of, of children that would come to know you and that it would impact generations to come. Uh, we pray for this message, Lord, as we look at the call uh, that we need to answer to follow your son Jesus. And we also look at the cost of following your son. And so we uh, we pray that we would, uh, as we put our hands to the plow, that we would just keep moving forward and keeping our eyes on you. We look for application of the word. I look, for Lord, for me, uh, personally, for me to be uh, moved out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Uh, your scripture to your congregation, including myself. And, and I thank you, Father God, just for this day. I pray for this city. I pray for uh, our, our building. I pray for Marcus and the family and just their business. And, and we just thank you, Father God, for blessing us to have a place to meet. Uh, we pray for each person here. We lift up their marriages, the families. And we just ask, Lord, even for those that are online, Father God, um, let them be present in your word. Uh, let all the distractions, um, let them be focused on hearing from you. And so we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and be seated. We're in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. It, we entitled this, The Call and the Cost to Follow Jesus. The Call and the Cost to Follow Jesus. We'll look at it in three parts. Uh, the first uh, being the call to follow, and that's actually going to be covered in verses 16 and 19. And I'll explain it as we get going. And then the call to becoming fishers of men in verse 17. And the cost to follow Jesus, we see both of them having a cost uh, as these men go to follow Jesus in verses 18 and 20. So the call to follow Jesus. Last week we, uh, we learned that John was arrested um, and that Jesus's ministry begins. And one of the things that we learned is what was Jesus doing? He was actually preaching the gospel of God. 
preaching the gospel of God. He preached the good news. And one of the things that he talks about is that the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And that's something for us to remember is that Jesus comes at the perfect time, the time that God made for him to come. And his son come on, uh, comes onto the scene uh, to begin the ministry, to proclaim the gospel. And, uh, and, and, he, and he says the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. So the kingdom of God, in order for there to be a kingdom, there has to be a king. And we know that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and one of the things that he says, there's two things he says uh, in that as he preaches. He preaches repentance. Remember how we talked about that last week being an about face and turning away from your sin and turning to Christ uh, it's a 180 degree turn is an easy way to to remember it. Or if you're in the military, it's an about face. You 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 do an about face from your sin, and you and you focus and turn to Christ. And then it says to believe in the gospel, the good news of of, of Jesus Christ. And and so now what we see is Jesus at the Sea of Galilee, um, a fishing industry, and and actually the Sea of Galilee is kind of cool because it's a uh, it's in between a lake and uh, that receives um, all that snow from the mountains uh, down into the lake, and it feeds into the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is, is, I guess you could say, a lot like I don't know if you've ever been to Canyon Lake. It's it's pretty big, uh, around about 14 miles around, and and um, and, it, and it's connected to the Jordan River as well. And so in this region at, at where the Sea of Galilee, this was a huge fishing industry, a huge fishing town. And so where Jesus goes, this is where he's at right now. So when we see in verse 16, it says, uh, passing along the Sea of Galilee, that's where Jesus is. And so we're going to look at the call to follow in verses 16 and 19. So we're going to read those verses. It says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then we also see in verse 19, and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, the, uh, and John, his brother, who were in their boats, in their boat mending nets. And so Jesus, as we can see, these are going to be uh, really his four uh, top disciples that he uses. And, and, um, and, and if you think about it, Jesus could have had anybody he wanted as far as the best theologians, the best scribes. He could have had the all-star team of, of Pharisees and Sadducees that were uh, knew the Word of God, and, and but that's not what he he did. He goes to the Sea of Galilee. He picks fishermen. He picks blue-collar uh, men who probably their hands smelt like fish all the time because that's what they dealt with on a daily basis. Um, and and it is a reminder to us that you know what they thought of Jesus as well is is we remember what they say about Jesus in John chapter one verse forty six. It says Nathaniel said to him, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And Philip Philip said to him, "Come and see." And one of the other things we have to remember is he's going to pick these Galileans, and uh, God uses the foolish things of this world. Uh, to confound the wise and in first corinthians chapter 1 verse 27 it says but god chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise god chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong and that's why when we look at nehemiah we remember he called them feeble jews that's what they called them sambal and tobiah but they 
they built that wall in 52 days. They were locksmiths and perfumers. They, they weren't construction guys. God used those weak, you know, the weak, what they considered weak, to shame the strong. And that is because God gets the glory, right? But one of the things that we, we remember is, is when we look at the Galileans, um, the Galileans were, were, you know, if you weren't from Judah, uh, that's where you wanted to be, from Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, the Galileans were considered to be uneducated. And in order for them to try to, to, to fix this, um, they, they started setting up schools. And, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but they would, they would actually send their kids to school from 6 to 10 to learn the Torah. Um, but what we also know is the Galileans spoke differently. Um, kind of almost like a southern draw or they, you know, they didn't, you know, that's always funny to me when I go out of town or I go somewhere that's, you know, uh, California or we go to Hawaii or we, I've always had like, where, where are you from? You're not from here. Cause that, that, that draw is there, uh, that, that I speak, you know, we use the word like y'all and, uh, stuff like that. But, um, you know, it, that's what we know about. The Galileans, and and it, if we look at Acts chapter two verse seven, it says they were amazed and astonished, saying, "Are not all these who are speaking Galileans?" This is at Pentecost. They're like these are Galileans that are speaking our language perfectly, right? They're they're uneducated. They're they're they don't speak. These are Galileans, but God uses these men, and so the the Lord selects whom. Uh, the world does not usually pick, right? He uses the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He uses the broken things and restores them. And it brings just people are um, just blown away. Now, we were at a family uh, picnic this, this past weekend, and I can remember talking to one of my brother-in-laws about the church and planning the church and I could see in his eyes, he was just like, I know you, dude. I remember you back in before Christ. There's no way you should be running the church. That was the old me. I'm a new creation now, and, and God is using me. But the, the reason why you know, God has is, is restored me is, is not for me. It's, you know, it's, it's not for me to, be, uh, to boast in what I've done. I haven't done anything. It's, it's God getting the glory. And, and what I love about this is he's going to pick these four fishermen. Uh, these were the four disciples that he, he will keep at the, 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 on the Mount of Transfiguration. And you see these four. And as we go through the book of Mark, we'll see that. But the other thing is, is out of the disciples, about seven of them were fishermen. About seven of them were fishermen. And think about that just really for, for two seconds. I mean, we've all watched those shows like uh, uh, Deadliest Catch, you know, um, when they're catching uh, Alaskan king crab on the Barren Sea. And, and we see guys getting hit by hooks and and uh, smashed in the head or having, a, a, you know, those those uh, crates that fall on them and stuff that happens. And, and yet they get back up and they keep fishing. They're out in the middle of the sea, one of the most dangerous jobs in, in, in the United States, one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, and yet they do it. And, and God is going to use fishermen. Fishermen, why? What are some of the qualities of fishermen? Well, they, they, you know, they have courage, we know that. You know, if you watch that show, you see that. 
Um, they have the ability to work together, to be patient, to have energy and stamina. They have faith and, and they have that tenacity. And they, they don't quit. They don't complain. They just keep fishing because they have to catch fish. And so we're, when we see these fishermen, Jesus is going to use these fishermen to turn the world upside down. These blue collar, hands smell like fish, and, and, and this is going to be the early church leaders. And they're going to spend that time with Jesus learning uh, what it is to follow him. And, and we see in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, I love this because what we see is the early church, look at what Peter and John do. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men that were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You know, one of the things that we do need to do in this world today is to be bold to share the gospel. Uh, when we are answering that call to follow Jesus, we are answering the call to, to be bold and, and allow God to, to use us. But the only way that we can be used is that we have to be obedient and, and, and strengthen and, and have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Billy Graham used to say that the thing that he wanted around him and the thing he always wanted to be uh, as a follower of Christ and the people that he wanted surrounding, uh, surrounding him were fat uh, believers. F-A-T, fat, yeah, fat, uh, faithful, teach, uh, fa faithful, available, teachable. Faithful, available, teachable. And, and he said, you know, that was the thing that, that really is important is that you always have to be teachable no matter how, how long you've been walking with the Lord. Because I've, I've met people that, you know, they're 20 years into their walk and, and they're just not growing anymore. They're not in the word. Uh, they're not spending time in prayer. Uh, they, 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 you know, they begin to, to fall away in some ways and, and they're, they're, they're no longer teachable. And, and even for myself, I have to continue to be teachable. In order for me to answer the call and to be a disciple of Christ, I need to be teachable. And so, you know, Jesus tells them in verse 17, you know, as, he, as he's calling them, he says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and, and I will make you become fishers of men. So he tells them to follow me. And, and when you read this, Mark's account is very quick. And it just moves very fastly. And so I think what's important is we need to, you know, we talked about the synoptic gospels and that that's just a fancy word to say Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? And just remember what I told you, when we look at the, the, the gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Mark, and Luke, and sometimes John will have some of the accounts and we can go to that. But the synoptic gospels, those are just different camera angles. So imagine one camera's Matthew, one camera's Mark, one camera's Luke. And every now and then we can look at the camera of John uh, because the events will, will line up and, and we can actually see, uh, you know, the different things that, you know, it's just a good different camera, a different eyewitness, you know. So each person sees it uh, and writes it in their way. Luke, the doctor, writes a certain way and Matthew writes a certain way and Mark John Mark writes based upon the eyewitness of Peter. And so um, he says, and Jesus said to follow me. But you read that and you're going, well, wait a minute. 
when did they meet? Did, they, did he just walk up to the boat and say, follow me? How did this happen? And so Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 gives us a better account. And so let's go to Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 and just let's just read it. It says, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on, uh, in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners in the boats to come and help them. And they came and filled boats, uh, both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish, and they had taken... And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, so they're there too, right? Who were partners with Simon. So there we now we get a little bit more bigger of the picture. They were working together, right, as partners. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to, to land, they left everything and followed him. Very important. We see one thing. Remember, Jesus said to, to repent and believe in the gospel. You see... You know, Simon, this is clearly something that we all have done before who are followers of Christ, where, where we actually say, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord, we actually confess our sin. And Jesus forgives that sin as far as from the east to the west. And and, and that's the importance of, of following Christ, to believe in your heart that Jesus is king and that he died for your sins. And, and that you can have eternity with Him. And, and that eternity starts the day that you give your life to Christ. But we see also this, there's more of a, um, more there than them, Him just showing up and, and saying, follow me. There's a little bit more to the story. But remember I told you that Mark was written for the Romans. And Romans were very, like, get to the point. They just wanted you to get to the point of the story. Kind of like New Yorkers, right? And, and so that's what they were doing. But let's look also at John chapter 1. Remember I said that you can also sometimes look at John and get more. Andrew was a disciple of, of John the Baptist. So when we see, uh, when it talks about passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. So Andrew was actually a disciple of John. And so in John chapter 1 verse 36, it says, And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to him, Said to them, Come and come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he first found his brother Simon and said to him, 
We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Caiaphas, which means Peter. Now, a couple things that are very important in here, because remember we talked about uh, the Galileans wanting to deal with them being thought of as uneducated. So they actually did something. Uh, so when we read this and we, re we read the words, follow me, and we also see Andrew saying rabbi, right? There's some importance there. So the Galileans actually, uh, to deal with the being considered uneducated in the, in, the, in the way that they spoke, they actually developed a school system. So kids from 6 to 10 would actually go to school and what their, their sole function was, was to learn the Torah. To learn the Torah. Can you imagine you actually go to school and actually learn the Bible today? Uh, it would never happen, right? But from 6 to 10, they would learn the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And, and then those that, that, that excelled at it would go on. The ones that didn't would go on to work. Uh, and and so, so the girls would go in and, and begin to help in the house, and the, and the young boys at age 11 would begin to, to work. But the ones that did really good at it, that excelled at it, would actually, the ones that were from 11 to 15, they would continue school, and they would learn the whole Old Testament and memorize it can you imagine that I, I think we have people that struggle with memorizing anything any kind of scriptures but they would at ages 11 to 15 be able to memorize and say any part of the Old Testament and and, and that's amazing because the ones that that didn't do well they they actually or the ones that didn't excel would actually teach school and the ones that would excel would have to find a rabbi Right, and so this this is why it's important when you see Andrew say, uh, and they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. So a rabbi uh, would actually, uh, when somebody would want to follow a rabbi, the 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 person would have to uh, to follow a rabbi. You'd have to believe in their theology. You'd have to uh, be guided by his teachings. You would actually study the way that uh, their lifestyle was, the way that they carried themselves down to their character, and, and you would observe the way they dressed as well as the way that they observed the Sabbath. You would accept all those things. So basically, you were becoming exactly like that rabbi. Now, in order for you to be accepted by a rabbi, a rabbi might actually have you quote the book of Numbers or have you quote uh, Nehemiah. And if you don't do well, he's not going to say, follow me. But if he, if he feels like you would be a, a, a good student, then he would say, follow me. And, and that would be another way of, of saying uh, rabbi is, means teacher or master. That's another way of looking at it. And so when Jesus comes up to them and says, follow me, He's saying, follow me as a rabbi, as a teacher. You're to, to, mim to mimic me and learn from me. And that's what he's doing. And so when he says, follow me, there's, there's a lot to those two words. And, and for these young kids that were 15 years old, they would follow the rabbi until they were 30. And then at 30 years old, they would become a rabbi. They would become a rabbi. And so we see Jesus is how old? 
30 years old, right? Jesus is 30. And, and so we're to actually mimic the character of Christ. We're supposed to be Christ-like, right? We're supposed to be a new creation in Christ, and we're supposed to uh, be, when people see us, they should, you know, it goes back to that verse with, um, you know, back to uh, that verse where he says, um, I love it, in, in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus, Right, Peter and John, they, 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 as they're sitting there in front of all these these leaders, they're like, they've been with Jesus. And that's how it should be with us, as people should recognize that we've been with Jesus. Look at Timothy with Paul. Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10, it says that you, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. So we should be Christ-like and people should see Christ in us right christ in us uh, we see in verse 17 uh, the call to become fishers of men and it says in verse 17 and jesus said to them follow me and i will make you become fishers of men uh very important here is something that we've been called to do we've been commanded to do in matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 it says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I've shared that with y'all probably four or five times since we've been in ministry here for the last two months. That is the Great Commission. Uh, we have been called to go and, and share the gospel, preach the gospel the way that Jesus did, to repent and believe in the gospel of Christ, to believe in Jesus uh and 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 then the part that i think we miss as we evangelize it's great because we we really focus on getting people to say the sinner's prayer right but did you catch that other part it says go therefore and make disciples what are we supposed to be making disciples disciples we should be teaching them to observe all that i commanded you like we're supposed to be teaching and 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 making disciples and and discipleship is is something that jesus did he developed that over the the three years that he had his disciples um he he wanted them to have the the heart uh to be christ-like and have the heart to be developed to have the character to be developed but to grow not only in christ but to grow in the word to grow in prayer um and that's for us too and and so you know, we I've been so blessed to have people that have sown into my life. And and that's one of the things we have to ask ourselves, like if if who's discipling you? And and who are you discipling? Right? That's something that should be happening. Um, you know, it's it's fun to have people come up and say the prayer and give their heart to Christ, but if there if there's no discipleship, what happens? You know, they, they we need to, to take time and sow into them. And somebody did that with me, Pastor Louie from uh, from Calvary, uh, New new Life uh, out in Holotis. Before he went to there, to Holotis at Grace Calvary Chapel, he spent time with me. And uh, I remember I was beginning to learn radio from him. And we spent probably four or five weeks every Saturday. And we would come in, we would pray, we would break bread. It was really Acts 2.4.2 now that I look at it. And, and we would spend time uh, breaking bread, prayer, 
he would always have a, a word of scripture for me and and then um you know we would have that fellowship and he would teach me how to do radio and i didn't realize at the time what he was doing was actually discipling me and he continued to do that even as he went to go plant the church in Helotus. And then when he left, I had guys like Joel and Mike Rios and um, and and Hector, um, all guys that are pastors and 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 you know guys like Mitch and Roy and. But then my the main guy who's always discipled me has been Pastor Joe from Grace Calvary Chapel, and he's he's been um, man just a, a great learning experience to be with him over the last fifteen years and growing with him. Uh, but it's important for us. You know, I went with him when it was time to go and pray for people at hospitals. I've been with him at funerals. Um, you know, all of those things, learning, you know, growing, being faithful, available, teachable, fat, right? Continue doing that. But one of the things I love is like we're, we're, we're supposed to be fishing, right? We're not only supposed to be fishing, but we're supposed to be caring for the fish too. Right, we're supposed to be fishers of men, and Jesus says, like when he, remember when we looked at Luke chapter five, and when Simon answered him, in verse five, it said, "Master, we toil all night and took nothing in, but at your word I'll let down the nets." And so we see that Peter was fishing in his flesh, in his strength, and he was a fisherman. He knew that lake, and he had been fishing all night and caught nothing. But Jesus tells them in verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. See, Christ is wanting to train us to be dependent on the Holy Spirit when we go out to evangelize, when we are led by our, our lives daily, but also to, uh, to remember that we're not going to do it in our own techniques, right? That, that God is going to lead us. God uh, doesn't call the qualified, but qualifies the called, right? God doesn't call the qualified, but qualifies the called. So he, he will give you the words to say, don't be so afraid that you're not willing to proclaim the gospel to evangelize. Uh, you know, so two things that we see that are very important is not only evangelizing uh, because you're called to be fishers of men, but also uh, discipleship. And so, you know, we're told uh, as believers, like we are uh, defined by our love and, and our unity. And so we should uh, have that same mind and, and should be sowing into other people's lives. So we are called to, to become fishers of men. So remember that. And then finally, what we'll see is the cost to follow Jesus in verses 18 and 20. So we see, I'm going to just read those, those four verses again so we can get kind of the picture here as we look at the cost to follow Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, it says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were uh, fishers, uh, fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will, be, I will make you become fishers of men. And these are the two verses where we see the cost. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And they immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So what we see is we see them leaving their nets. Uh, we see them leaving their father, a relationship. Um, there are going to be things that God may ask you to lay down and leave. 
uh, when you become a follower of his. Uh, that, that, that's one of the things that we need to remember because it could be something that could hinder your relationship with Christ. And, and like, for instance, if you work at a bar and you are an alcoholic and you now become a follower of Christ and Christ, the Holy Spirit is putting on you that you need to find another job that's not in a bar, then, you know, it's going to cost you <laughs> to, to follow. It's, it's, there's going to be a cost there. And so, you know, that's one of the things that we need to remember as, as, as the relationship with the rabbi, the, our master, our teacher, we're called to, to follow, to surrender, surrender all and, and follow Jesus Christ. And so sometimes it may be activities we have. It may be a relationship that we have. Maybe there's a toxic relationship that's going on. Uh, maybe you were living with someone. And let me tell you, if you're living with someone and you're married, you're not married, and you're having relations with that person, you're living in sin. And so uh, God may say, you know what, we need, to, we need to separate, or I need to move out until we get married. I've actually seen this happen, where people kind of, they get to the Word of God, or they get to that part of the Scripture where it talks about the marriage bed, and it talks about that being between a husband and a wife, and anything that's done outside the marriage bed is considered an abomination. So... Think about that just for a second. If you're not married and you're living together and you're having relations, that's considered sin. You know? And so God will say, hey, that relationship needs to be put on pause until you either, one, get married or either you move out and you, you live on your own for a while. And and I've seen that happen. And so it can cost us something at times. And and so we need to understand that there is a, a cost of sacrifice, a, a surrender uh, when we follow Jesus. Because we want to be led by the Spirit. It's very important uh, that we are, are led by the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 and 22, we see the, the rich young ruler, you know, that struggled with that, you know, as, as Jesus tells them, you know, um, in, in verse uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, let's, let's pick it up in verse, um, in verse 21, uh, in verse 20, actually, he, and, and the young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess, give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven, treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. See, Jesus was telling him, like, hey, look, in order to follow me, you need to let that stuff go and follow me. And yet that stuff had a hold of him, and he wasn't willing to let it go. And, and so he didn't follow Christ because of it. And some people, it can be a position at work. You're making a ton of money, and God's saying, hey, look, you're, you're neglecting your family. Your kids are, are needing their father. Uh, it'd be better for you to take this other position. And not try to get that promotion uh, at this moment because your, your, your wife and your marriage needs you, your family needs you. And yet you just keep pushing and pushing through without, and, and the Holy Spirit's kind of letting you know, hey, this needs to, this needs to stop. Um, but there are times when we can have, our, our possessions can have a hold of us. But we have to remember there's a cause to follow Jesus. Let's look at Luke chapter Five. Uh, let's, uh, well, let's look at it. I mean, I think one of the things that we do see is we see the the two. I mean, uh, you know, Simon is leaving all his stuff, his position, his job, his his livelihood, and then you see, you know, uh, James, 
the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were, uh, were in the boat, men in the nets, they leave their father, right? And, and so, you know, one of the things that we need to understand is there's going to be things that uh, we may have to leave behind. And, and a fan won't do it. A follower of Christ will count the cost and follow Jesus. I mean, look at Luke chapter 9, verses 57 and 62. It says, And they were going along the road, and someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You could be homeless. Or you could be living in a very rough situation to follow Christ. You know, the missionaries used to take all of their stuff with them along with a coffin when they would go out. This is back in the day long time ago they would take their coffin with them uh, because you know they they could die as they were going out into the mission field because sharing the gospel was what god had put on their hearts and then he says in in uh, verse 59 he said to another he said follow me but he said lord let me first go bury my father and jesus said to him leave the dead to bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of god now some would read this, some of the commentaries read this, and, and, and the guys on some of the commentaries believe that the father wasn't dead yet, and that the kid was either waiting for his inheritance, right, to get the money before he goes, so that way when he's out with Christ, it's easier. Or that if the father knew that he was going to follow this particular rabbi, this teacher, this Messiah, this Jesus, he would be disowned and lose his inheritance. So he was going to wait till his father to die, right? And so, but Jesus, when he tells them, hey, let the, leave the dead to bury their, their own dead, you know, he's not going to follow. And then yet there's another that said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one puts his hands, uh, no one puts his hands uh, to the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. And that young man actually would have had a party waiting on him because they used to have parties for days. Um, and so he was like, I'm going to have my party before I say goodbye. I need to say goodbye to everybody, have my party, and then I'll follow you. That's really what was happening. But Jesus tells us no one puts his hands to the plow and looks, looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. It's like you're, you follow your master, you follow your rabbi, you follow your teacher, you follow the Messiah, you follow the Christ. The rewards will outweigh the sacrifice. So when you're counting the cost to follow Jesus, you know, I have to, I have to look at it as I have eternity with the Messiah, with Jesus Christ. So these things that I'm doing here on earth, not only does he allow me, he's not only saved me, Save me from the penalty of sin, which is death. Right? To, to burn eternally. He saved me. But he's not only going to save me, but he also allows me to be part of the ministry here on earth. And not only am I part of the ministry, but I get to go fish. I get to evangelize. And not only do I get to evangelize, I get to help make disciples. It's important, you know. God, God takes the foolish things of this world, the broken things of this world, and restores them. And then He says, "Follow me." He's like, "Follow me, and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use you for the glory of God. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to use you 
to bring glory to me. That's why Jesus says you have to get off the fence and follow me. That's when he says follow me. It's, it's like if you're on the fence, the devil owns the fence. The devil owns the fence. And what's cool is next week when we get into our scripture in Mark chapter 1 verse 21, the first thing that Jesus does is take them to church. He's, he's discipling them immediately because it says that and they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So he takes them right to church. So what's our application for this week? And we'll close up here. Uh, are you a fan or a follower of Christ? Are you on the fence? Because if you're on the fence, the devil owns the fence. If you're if you're a fan, I, I think one of the biggest things that uh, that I can share with you, and, and this is probably something uh, that most people wouldn't want to hear, if you're selective about when and what activities you're going to obey in Jesus Christ, then he's not your Lord. And you're not his disciple. So if you're gonna if you're gonna be like I'll, I'll do that, Lord, but I'm not gonna do this, he's not your Lord, and you're not his disciple. You're just a fan. You're just somebody who knows some information about Jesus, but is not willing to follow him. And it's important for you to make that choice to follow Jesus. It's an obedience that we follow. It's we abide. And we do it because we want to follow our teacher, our rabbi, our Messiah. We want to be Christ-like. And, and that means sometimes I have to forsake my plans. I mean, John and James left their father. Peter and Andrew left their nets. Matthew left his tax booth. And there's going to be some times that we have to, we have to uh, forsake and, and look at the cost of following. And there's going to be th- times when we have to give some things up. And so, uh, another application, do you have some things in your life that are keeping you from following Jesus? A sin? Maybe there's a relationship? Or even a position that, you know, that, that, that God is saying, you know what, I want to move you here, and you're going to have to let this go. Who are you discipling? And that's another application. Who are you discipling? <laughs> that's a good one. Like you, we, we should all be discipling somebody. But if you're, if you're just a fan of Christ, you don't need to be discipling anybody. Okay? If you're choosing and picking what activities that you want to follow and, and, and what you want to obey, you're not, you're not a disciple, so you shouldn't be discipling other people. And I know that's kind of harsh to hear, but that's the truth. Who are, who are you discipling? Okay, well, who's discipling you? Who's discipling you? That's another one. Uh, as a disciple, you know, one of the things you need to be is faithful, available, teachable. And so somebody should be sowing into your life as well. I still have guys that I, I have, Pastor Hector and Pastor Joe and, and uh, guys that, that uh, are still ministering and helping me grow. Uh, Mike Rios and some other guys and and I'm just blessed to be able to get their counsel when I get it and uh, It's remember I have to be teachable too. I'm always learning myself Remember we're we're called to make disciples. We're, We're called to evangelize to fish But we're also called to make disciples and we're supposed to do what teach them to observe all that I have commanded you
Teach them to observe all that I commanded you. And this is something that we need to get back to because this is something where the church has not been organized. Um, sadly, what we've seen is my wife was sharing with me this, uh, this past weekend is Antifa has been better organized at getting their message out than the church has. They've been doing more fishing than the church has been doing. Think about that just for a second. We need to we need to be making disciples. We need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be evangelizing, um, and and somebody should be discipling us. But at the same time, the church needs to get it together because the church in America has failed uh, at at doing this. I think we allowed COVID to kind of kind of knock us down. It's time to get back up. The churches need to get open. People need to get off their couches and need to start coming back to church. I just left the QT today, the gas station. The new one there on Divine has one, and, and they, they don't have the signs up no more. You can go in without your mask now. Why? Because everybody's getting vaccinated. You know, it's time to get back to church. Uh, the last thing I want to share with you is just remember fishermen. You know, the, these fishermen had the, the stamina, the energy, the patience. They weren't quitters. They had the tenacity and they had the faith in the Lord and they end up turning the world upside down by spending time with Jesus. And, and, and that's that last thing I want to ask you out of the application. You know, as you look at evangelism, as you look at discipleship, you know, that, that wonderful verse in Acts chapter uh, 4, uh, verse 13, and they recognize that they had been with Jesus do people recognize that you have been with Jesus as a fisherman, as, as someone fishing? And that word fishers of men is actually in the Greek means men and women. Just FYI, because I know we have probably have people that are worried about the pronoun or the, the way that that's presented. But it's actually we're, we're fishing for souls. And, uh, and, and it's going to require some courage. It's going to require... Uh, you to have the ability to be patient and, and to understand there'll be times when you fish and you don't catch anything. Uh, but God wants you to understand that, uh, you know, that, that it's, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Just keep preaching the word, sharing the gospel, repent and believe in the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, believe in the gospel, believe Jesus Christ, um, that he came to save the sinner. He came to save you and me. And he's going to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So I want to leave with this, and, uh, and then we'll close in prayer. If you haven't received Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. It, and, and if you have, let's say you, you've become, you're no longer teachable. And you've gotten back on the fence about being a follower of Christ. You're, you're more of a fan again. I want to give you the opportunity to return to your relationship with the Lord as well. And you can just say the prayer with us as well. But there's four things that we have to do when we choose to follow Jesus. We need to admit that we're a sinner. Um, it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have, uh, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so what is the penalty for sin? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. And so we have to admit that we're a sinner and we have to turn away from that sin and ask for forgiveness. We have to repent. And then we believe in Christ that died, that he died on the cross for us and was resurrected. And we receive Christ into our heart and our life. And so if you want to receive Jesus Christ, you want to make him your Lord and Savior today, 
I want to give you this opportunity to not be a fan anymore, not just know information about Jesus, but actually count the cost to follow Jesus, right? Uh, just repeat this prayer after me. After me. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and be my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for those who said that prayer. We pray that you would surround them with disciples, someone that would disciple them, uh, that they would get plugged into a church that teaches the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, that if there are any that are, are sitting on the couch that are nervous about coming back to church, that they would just come back. Um, you know, it's it's time. We pray for the marriages. We pray for the families. We pray for the... I know there are many businesses that need employ, employees right now in Divine. We pray for those businesses to, to have those employees begin to show up. Because it's time for America to kind of wake back up and get back to work. And so we pray for that. Uh, we pray for the City of Divine. We pray uh, for our, our Chamber of Commerce. We pray for our, our City Council. We pray for our Mayor's Office and Mayor. We ask that you just continue to be with them. To, to draw us into a place of unity. And to do what is best for the City and the people of Divine. Uh, we thank you for this day. We ask and just thank you again for our mothers. We pray that you give them a, just a wonderful, blessed day. And, uh, and just be with us. Allow us to think about your word today, Lord. Allow us to look. If there's something that we haven't counted the cost, we or maybe we're struggling with, and, and you're saying, Lord, this is your, the Holy Spirit's leading us in that direction, that we would be obedient and go. And so we thank you, Father God, for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for all that you're doing here at Calvary Chapel Divine. And we just pray, Lord, for this day. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.